Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. I am Chicky. Um, you can find me um, at Chicky on Blue Sky Social. And today we're going to be covering John's seventh chapter in A Storm of Swords. I think it's seventh. I hope so. That's what I've prepared to moderate anyway. <laughs> so today I have with me uh, Devin. Hey, this is Devin, GD Harpo on Twitter. And Kama. Hi, this is Kama. And I'm at, I'm also on Blue Sky Blue Sky So I'm also on Blue Sky Social, uh comma splice. I love I love the tongue twister. I've noticed people are calling it bisky instead of blue sky, and I just I don't know if I can say it out loud. No. No, I'm not gonna <laughs> do that. Still better than X either way. Um so uh we're starting out with John uh watching from Castle Black as Mole's town burns. Actually, he says, I love I loved the opening sentence to this chapter. I was going to read it. So, they woke to the smoke of Mole's town burning. And it just like is a, a good setup, I feel like, for the way that this chapter um, is going to go down. Um, John has returned, of course, with news of what is coming, that the free folk are going to attack Castle Black. Um, we get... Uh, kind of an idea of how badly injured John is in that Donald Noy decides that he should just uh, take take a bow and arrow and sit up in, in, in the top of a tower because that's where he's going to be most useful, which is really something considering how few really fit fighting men there are because, of course, the Night's Watch has been sending all of their best fighters out on other missions and they're just completely depleted at actual Castle Black. Um, and, of course, one of the biggest problems with trying to prepare for this um, coming attack is that Castle Black is not built to be defended from the south um, for many reasons uh, to do with past, I don't know, bad lord commanders and other issues. The concept of the Night's Watch is supposed to be that that they're not a threat to anyone actually in the Seven Kingdoms, and so they come up with this concept, but I was reading all of this, like this whole history. And I was just going, are you telling me in the thousands of years that the night's watch has existed? No other person from the free folk has thought to attack them from the South. Like this is the first time Mance is the first one. Not once. Not one time. Surely. (laughs) It seems odd. It's interesting. It's, um, it's interesting, but uh, Donald Noy is being pretty creative about how he's, um, you know, trying to create defenses where there are none. They do have these towers, which it's kind of interesting. I've seen, I've definitely seen some like concept art of Castle Black where it has these towers, but it just doesn't have walls connecting them. Apparently they did build a couple of walls with just wood, which obviously is not going to be much good. But um, anyway, Donald Noy comes up with this idea of like using some of their supplies, literally some of their food to create barricades, which is an interesting idea. I guess you do what you got to do. You risk your, you risk your food before the winter to keep yourself alive. Um, 
So John finds himself in this tower with two other guys, one of whom is Satin, uh, who we will come to know better throughout this book and the next couple of books. And the other one is uh, Deck Dick, Def Dick Follard. I love what George does with his dicks. He's always got to give them some. It's Nimble Dick. It's Deaf Dick. It's always something. Um, and they are also uh, in the tower with a bunch of dummies. Maester Eamon came up with the idea of using some of their spare clothing to dress up some dummies and put them in like the windows and arrow slits of the castle so that the free folk wouldn't know for sure, you know, who they needed to hit when they were attacking the castle. And they would think that maybe there are so many men they shouldn't even attack at all, which is obviously a little bit of a pipe dream, but makes for a really interesting scene. Um, I love that we get this first good look at, at Satin here. Um, he is, well, John's a little more ambiguous. They know that he comes from a brothel in Old Town. Um, and, you know, he, he definitely was working in the brothel. Um, but he is learning how to become a fighter and has apparently become pretty good with a crossbow. Um, I don't know. Anybody have any thoughts on Satin? Satin, the only Johnsa ship that I acknowledge existing. John and Satin, no? <laughs> I love that. It's um, great. <laughs> I was drinking tea when you said, I love what George does with his dicks. And now there's tea everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're welcome for that. And I was in a fit of laughter for like two minutes. <laughs> I feel that's going into the show description. <laughs> I mean, that's where it belongs, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Oh, but God. I do, I do love Satin, and um, just how what we get to know of him just from John, like in this specific chapter, particularly this piece of the chapter leading up. Um, I just really love the interactions with him, um, and yeah, the more we get to know him, as you said, throughout the rest of the book and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I, you have to imagine that this, this, this this chapter like the the moments in this chapter probably make a pretty big impression on satin as far as his opinion of john too because john is just i mean you forget how young john is as you're reading this chapter while they're waiting for this battle to commence they're waiting to be attacked because john is just the most seasoned grizzled soldier <laughs> at this point you know like he just like you know he 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 says he's afraid, but you know you really don't get the feeling that he is from reading it. He's just so like matter of fact about everything. It's kind of amazing how far he has come in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, Ross is very experienced. Yeah, yeah, he does, and like, and I like I was when he says like when he does like think that he's afraid. That actually like I was taken aback a little just because, as you said, Chicky, like you don't get that, you don't feel that throughout the chapter from him. No, no, there's there's there are big been here done this before vibes from John uh, here. I mean, well, when you think about every goddamn thing that he's been through since he left castle black last i mean like you know just the you know being pursued for days on foot and everything that he's gone through you kind of get it but it, it is it is quite a big departure from the kid that he was when he when he yeah. left this place yeah and it's and it's like of course he's afraid um but the bravery is what comes through as it would with a stark as the only time a man can be brave yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of stark in in him in these moments a lot of ned 
quite frankly, it feels like. So uh, we know that that um, most of the people from Molestown have abandoned Molestown and, and ran to Castle Black for defenses, and they're trying to get um, most of the weaker ones who can't fight up to the top of the wall where they will be safer and out of harm's way, but they've got a few of the the people from Molestown who can fight are, are helping them fight, but there's it's just very much a ragtag, you know, it's like the old guys and the young green kids, and they've, they've even got some of the women from the Molestown brothel fighting, you know, it's, it's very much a just all hands on deck situation, trying to throw together some kind of defense here. And so uh, Donald Noy and John to an extent have been pretty clever about the things that they do. It's not just these dummies dressed up and put in windows. Um, Donald Noy has come up with this plan to basically <laughs> burn the stairs going up the wall uh, to get, to get as many of the free folk to follow um, the fighters up the wall, up, up the steps as possible, and then set them on fire. Uh, so we see all the preparations for all of that happening um, as well. And of course, at nightfall, uh, the attack, which has just felt very imminent throughout, starts to happen. And we've seen John a few times um, thinking about Egret and how she's out there. And he has a thought that he hopes that she you know, decided to go south and raid somewhere else, just kind of, you know, like (laughs) denial, hoping that, hoping against hope that he's not going to have to face off against her, Um, which I think he knows is slim chance that that would ever be the case. But as the attack begins and John and his, his two uh, fellow Night's Watchmen are, are picking people off from above, uh, suddenly, um, Poor deaf Dick, one of George's dicks, falls out the window because he's been struck. And John looks down and sees red hair and knows that he is seeing um, Egret. And um, I think he just can't bring himself to shoot her is what happens. Do you guys think that's what happened? Yes. Because... He definitely sees the red hair and he definitely seems like he has her. It's just like he just doesn't get the shot off in time. I don't know. It's a, I think he just couldn't uh, do it. Um, anyway, the battle wears on and they, the, the wildlings break into the tower and almost get through the trap door. John kind of fights them off and you see John um, pulling out Longclaw here for the first time because obviously he's just doing everything else with the... Uh, with a bow and arrow. Um, and uh, we see Satin uh, showing some pretty good battle chops for his first battle. You know, he kind of, you know, shows up and they, they managed to get the advance stopped with some boiling oil. That sounds pretty horrific, but uh, then John sees um, steer uh, heading into the, heading into the castle and he realizes that they're being overrun, but this is part of the plan. Um, and the, the battle slowly works. It works its way toward the stairs. And um, of course, most of the fens and some of the free folk are on the stairs when John and Satin and some of the other archers in the other towers light up the, the stairs with, I don't know what it all is, what oil and lard and all kinds of stuff that they had in there. They had bagged up some, dry leaves and stuff to make it burn pretty ingenious idea. I feel like, I mean, like does a lot of damage obviously to castle black, like (laughs) 
burning these stairs down, but it works and they kill. Um, it seems like all of the free folk on the stairs, doesn't it? That's my. Yeah. It, yeah. Like it worked to what seemed like perfection. <laughs> Cause I mean, it seems like it killed all of them that were up and trying to make their way up. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, and part of the wall uh, comes off with the stairs apparently and falls down and crushes some, the ones who aren't burning. It's just a really gruesome, but effective uh, tactic. Um, so John goes down and you can kind of feel his dread as he leaves the tower and he goes out, you know, and he's seeing people that he knew, you know, some of the free folk that he knew who are either dead or dying. And you, you know, without him even saying that he's, you know, looking for and afraid to find a grit. And then he finds her with an arrow in her chest. Um, and he goes to her and she's dying obviously and he is having these pie in the sky things he's telling her about how he's gonna take her to maester amen and they'll heal her and she will live and she asks him if castle black is a real castle and he says yes and she says she always wanted to see one before she died and he's like you're not gonna die and we get our final uh you know nothing john snow uh before she does die um this is like such a beautiful and sad ending I feel like to this relationship and um, you know the way that John is like as much as he's preparing and afraid of the battle itself you you do get the sense throughout that this is just this is the thing he's actually dreading is this final scene with Ygritte the whole time well doesn't he look at the arrows and realize that thank god they're not his not his mm-hmm. yeah yeah or well he tells himself they're not his yes yeah, well, I don't know enough about arrow fletching to know. <laughs> it's, oh, God. It's a great it's chapter. chapter. I mean, a big chapter, I should say. There's a lot going on. But, like, I'm a sucker for these sort of insurmountable odds and creative battle planning and, you know, straight out of uh, Swiss Family Robinson and... <laughs> Of the Jedi, or Return of the Jedi, you know, sort of like, how are we going to stop them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And George is, George is so good at setting these up, too. Um, so that you, you, you kind of know what's going to happen, but you don't know exactly how it's going to unfold. And then, you know, you're even still a little surprised, even though you've been there, you know, reading it the whole time. You're like, oh, okay, that's the big plan. This is how it was supposed to go. Uh, did we have any mail for this chapter? Uh, yes, we do have a couple pieces of mail. Um, so our first one from Savic Gmail. I, I, yeah, damn. Only rhetorical questions for this one. Why didn't they stay in that cave? I love oh. John and Egret together, and some somehow something died for me inside John and his POV chapters after she is gone. I know that people have different opinions on the depth and seriousness of their relationship, but to me, it read like they were a real deal. And of course, it had to tr- it had to end tragically. And I hated and loved George for the bittersweet poetry and the beautiful writing. Same. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's rough. And like you feel it. You feel it as John is, you know, just like dreading finding her and finding her and oh god yeah and as you said it's just throughout the chapter 
Um, one of my favorite things about the chapter is the way John thinks about the free folk and he like thinks about them in name, like mm-hmm. who they are. Um, but like particularly, of course, focusing on Egret um, throughout all of that. And I just love uh, those little bits of the chapter. Um, <laughs> my fiance just she just finished watching the show. I mean, maybe took her a month and a half, breezed through the whole thing. And so I was getting bits and pieces of it while she was watching it. And I saw this episode, fucking Ollie. Oh, I forgot about oh. Ollie. Oh, that's right. Like, it, like there was part of me that felt good reading this chapter because I know he's not in it and he's not the one that does it. But like that, I just remember, like when I was watching this over with her, like how much that pissed me off. Oh, just one of those things where all the great characters in A Song of Ice and Fire and you've got to go and invent Ollie. (laughs) Why? (laughs) This is this is I was. I had someone in my office and I have some Game of Thrones tchotchkes and stuff and we're talking about and I said, you know, I really love the show for the first couple seasons and then I, you know, fell off. And I mean, these are reasons why. It's like these two Nimrods who couldn't know good storytelling and good characters when they saw them saw fit to put their own shtick in. And it was always, always wanting. Always. And like reading these particular chapters, um, is is Donald Noy even in the show? No, I don't think so. Maybe like, in the first season, like I maybe don't know. He, like, maybe, yeah, maybe a face. Like, he, he's there, but, like, how amazing would just these little bits of things with him, the preparation, because he's the, he's next in charge um, after everything goes down. Um, yeah. and, I, and I really love his, I love everything Donald Noy from the time John gets back up until now and throughout. Oh, yeah. Well, and all of this sets up, like, you know, the stuff in dance, you know, the stuff about John and the watch and who these people are. It, it It's not only like, you know, a really interesting and satisfying battle, but like it establishes a lot more because it's been, you know, we're on the third book now and, you know, you need that. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I feel like George does some of his best work with the Night's Watch and, and John's story. I mean, John has, you know, this great band of people around him. And, you know, like a character like Satin. Why was Satin not in the show? <laughs> Why was Satin not Ollie if you needed, you know, that person? I mean, like, there are plenty of characters here who are rich and bright and would have been better than you would have done with him. Yeah. No, I I think in some respect, this is better that they didn't. Someday someone is going to come along and redo this as like an animated (laughs) series and they'll have a lot of these characters and it will be much better. I've lived long enough to know that this is a possibility. I Um, hope I live long enough to see it, comma. Will I don't, you know, time flies by and 10 years goes by and they're remaking something and people are like, I never heard of the original, you know, I'm like, it'll happen. True. Well, you know what we have in our favor is all Hollywood does now is remake everything. So exactly. there's probably a much better chance than I'm, I'm giving it. Uh, did we have any other uh, mail, Devin? E- yes. Our last piece of mail, um, Buck O'Hare on Discord, they ask, what do you think would happen 
Um, what would you like to happen if Egret was taken alive? Oh, God. Well, I mean, you kind of have to think by by feast and dance. If she if she had been taken alive, maybe he would have been able to, you know. I don't know. Well, he was still a Night's Watch brother, so there's no. I'm sorry. Am I trying to? I'm like writing a fanfic in my head. You're trying to get a fanfic together. How they can be together? That was my first (laughs) thought when I read the question. But but knowing there, it would have. It would have to be something like. um, Okay, so somehow she stayed alive till Stannis and Co. get up there. They want to put John in charge of Winterfell and they figure if he marries someone from the free folk, it'll no, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's all going to fall apart it'll, eventually, it'll fall I apart, guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I mean, you know, I'd like it if she could have been alive and they could just not be together or something. That would be much better. I, I mean, she's pretty bloodthirsty and awful at times, but at the same time, I like a grit. There's something about her. She was kissed by fire, you know. Oh God. Well, does anyone have any other thoughts on this chapter? It's I feel like we're breezing through it. It's a big chapter, but it's mostly just the battle. And the battle is really amazing and well written. And I mean, I definitely recommend reading it, but I don't know. I don't know that it's worthy of a play by play. Anybody have any thoughts? Um, just that I I forget um that ghost isn't around during this. Yeah. I just find it so interesting that John seems to have no uh mental connection to ghosts. Like is the wall severing that? That's um I just through the through the years in fandom that question has come up and that seems to always be kind of the answer everyone goes with is that their connection is broken when they're on opposite sides of the wall. Oh, that's wow. interesting. For some reason or another. So, yeah. I somehow have never had that thought or even read that before. So that is that is interesting, actually. Hmm. I'm so excited to never find out what's going on there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> uh, well, if you have any um, thoughts or questions or little pieces of trivia, like what's going on between John and Ghost, since they're on opposite sides of the wall, we would love to hear them from you. You can always email us at close the door and at gmail.com. Um, you can drop us an anonymous note on our Tumblr, which is close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Um, you can also drop questions for upcoming episodes on the Jamie Brienne subreddit, which is reddit.com slash R slash Jamie Brienne. Um, those threads usually come out about a week before we record. And thank you, comma, by the way, for doing those. Um, and you can leave a question there if you want to. Uh, we usually record around the same time every month, usually middle of the month-ish. Um, and of course, I think that we can still be reached on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it is now um, at at Door Podcast. Kyle, yes. thanks for thanks for fighting the, the good fight out there. Devin's Devin's still there, got your back. So so thank you for that. <laughs> Um, and of course, we're always grateful to our patrons on Patreon who help us keep the lights on for the podcast. Um, and with that, I am closing the door. Get out.